I forgot to mention at the top of the service that today is one of the one of the biggest Sundays in the Christian calendar. Today is Ascension Sunday. Happy Ascension Sunday. Thank you. Thank you. He is ascended. He's ascended indeed. Excellent. Well done. I assume that you guys put up your Ascension Day trees and you gave out your Ascension Day presents and all these things to your families. No? No? Today is Ascension Sunday. The color is white in the church calendar. We, we deck the halls for Ascension Sunday, this holiday that no Christian or not many Christians really ever celebrate. It's kind of the black sheep of the Christian holidays. So the white sheep, there you go, it's perfect. We, the five biggest ones, uh, what are the two biggest Christian holidays? Shout them out, what are they? Christmas and Easter, absolutely, Christmas and Easter. So it's the Christian holidays start with Christmas. It is the day that we celebrate that God in heaven, who is mysterious, who is beyond all knowledge, stepped into our purview so that we could know who God is and what God is all about in the Christmas, in, in the nativity, and God chooses to step into our world in a tiny, vulnerable beautiful way as a baby born to the teenager Mary. It's a beautiful story. We celebrate it. We give gifts. We love it. The next big Christian holiday is Good Friday. It's the day that Jesus, at the end of his ministry, shows us and what lengths God's love will go for us, what lengths God will go to demonstrate and to show us that we are truly forgiven of every sin, failure, mistake, Jesus gives himself for that message. Then Easter, the, the biggest holiday in my opinion, is the demonstration that nothing, not your sin, not your failures, not even death, can stop the love and movement of God. And Jesus is risen from the dead, and we celebrate Easter. And then ascension, which is just kind of Jesus just floats away, I guess, right? It's almost, it's almost anticlimactic after all this power, after all this strength, after we've demonstrated that Jesus' movement cannot be stopped. All the disciples say, all right, Jesus, let's do it. When is the kingdom of God going to come? When are you going to restore all things? I'm ready. And Jesus says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons, but hang out, wait for the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes, you'll receive power. You'll be my witnesses in your hometown of Jerusalem, your country of Judea, your neighboring country of Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then Jesus goes away. What? The leader of the movement floats away? It's a strange holiday. We don't quite know what to do with it. Jesus' story just kind of ends. The next, the fifth big holiday is Pentecost, which we'll celebrate next week. Of course, 10 days after the ascension, the Holy Spirit filled the room where the disciples were waiting and wondering what comes next, and they spoke in all their native languages, and we'll celebrate that next week. But today, I want to talk about ascension, why ascension is so important, and why it is good news. In that story, the disciples are waiting for the next big thing. They're waiting for Jesus to start the kingdom. 
And instead, Jesus says, you guys got this. I'm out of here, right? And he floats away. He goes up, and then he's obscured by a cloud. The disciples, they don't know what to do. They're just stunned, like, that was it, right? (laughs) After everything we've been through, that was it? I think the big question for us, and what I kind of want to get to today, is, is ask, where did Jesus go? Where did Jesus go? Up doesn't quite work in our world anymore, right? We live on a globe, right? So is Jesus just in outer space, still zooming along, you know, picking up speed as he's going, passing, passing our, all of our planets? I don't think so. I think for, for the biblical narrative and for the original authors, the word up, the, the word up is a metaphor for better, for good. We still use that, right? Think about things that are above. I'm moving on up. We think of the word up as better. Above is better. So let's kind of take it that way. Jesus moves up. Jesus moves into the better place. And for sure, um, for sure, the Christian, the, the book, the, the Christian book, what's it called? The Bible, that's right. <laughs> the book, yeah. <laughs> it tells us that Jesus is in heaven, which makes us ask another question. What is heaven? Where is heaven? What is heaven all about? I think typically we think of heaven as the landing spot for deceased souls. Heaven is the final destination for human beings. Their souls go to heaven. But it might surprise you that that's not the way heaven is treated in the Bible. Heaven is not treated as just the retirement village for human souls, right? No. Heaven, I think this is important, heaven is a part of creation, right? Heaven is a part of creation. I don't know if we think about that too much, but heaven is created. Genesis 1-1 starts out with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's interesting. God created the heavens and the earth. God created heaven and earth right next to each other. And God chose to take residence in heaven and allowed this whatever material world realm that you and I live in, we call it earth. So God takes up residence in heaven, so, and we all take up residence in earth, and heaven is the place that God makes for God's self right next to the earth so that God can always interact with the earth. This is the understanding of heaven throughout the Bible. It says, from heaven, God thunders. From heaven, God speaks to us. God made a place, which we can call God's space or heaven, from where God can interact and direct the earth, which is our space, our space. Now, the Bible was kind of, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a product of its own time and it's a product of its own context where the understanding was really kingdoms and throne rooms, right? So, the way that they could best understand heaven would be like the throne room of the king. And they actually said that the earth was the footstool of the king. So God, 
God sits in heaven and puts his feet on the earth. It's kind of the image there, right? The idea is that God is in the throne room, and from the throne room, God can kind of speak out all of God's decrees. God can make things happen throughout the whole kingdom, which would be the earth. Now, I don't think that that analogy quite works for us anymore. We don't have, I mean, we could do the political analogy. We could talk about the White House. We could talk about all these different things, but I don't think that that works as well. I don't like it as much. Um, The analogy that I like, I'm going to borrow from Star Trek, if that's okay with you guys. So, think of it this way. Think of it this way. That heaven is the created space from where God controls the rest of the ship. God directs the rest of the ship. Think of heaven like this. Heaven is the bridge of all creation, right? And God is in the captain's chair. God is directing. Now, God is not in charge of what happens in absolutely every single room of the whole ship at all times, right? God can't know. God's not there at all times, just like the captain is not there at all times. But the captain has direct communication to every single room in every single part of the ship. So the captain can call out to the engine room, what's going on? And Scotty can yell out, I'm giving her all she's got, right? I'm not going to do the accent because that would be racist. And (laughs) it would be if I did it. Um, And So God can call out to all of creation, this is the direction that we are going on this ship. God creates heaven right next to earth so that God can interact and direct all of creation together. Now what happened? What happened? Well, we got a little bit of a mutiny going on in this part of the ship. We got a little bit of a rebellion going on on this part of the ship. So God says, I know what I'll do. I'll send a prophet. I'll send Spock down to this end of the ship, right? Hey, go get these people in order. Tell them where we're going. Tell them we all need to work together to move this creation ship along. So God sends prophets, and the rebellion rebels against the prophets. Over here is another mutiny happening, another trouble in the ship. So God sends prophets over there. Sometimes they listen, sometimes they change their ways, sometimes they get back on board, sometimes they don't. Finally, with this ship not working right, everybody kind of doing their own thing, going different directions, God says, okay, I guess I got to go down there. And in Christmas, God gets out of the captain's chair. In Christmas, God goes down among the crew and he learns all the jobs He does everything that every crew member does. He knows the crew members. He gets to know them. He becomes a crew member, right, in Christmas. Comes down and lives with us and gathers with us. Does the work with us. Shows us how important we are to the captain. Shows us how important we are to the mission. Sacrifices for us and demonstrates his power in the resurrection. My metaphors are going to get a little mixed up here, but let's just keep going with it a little bit. And then, at the ascension, at the ascension, the captain, Jesus, says, are we all sorted out here? Do we all love each other? Can we work together? Can we move in the right direction? Do you know that I love you? Do you know that I've got your back? Do you know that I've got to direct this ship in a certain way, and will you follow me? Will you take my guidance? 
Will you take my direction? After that, the captain says, I got to go back up to the bridge. I got to go back up and, and direct this ship. And so Jesus, after giving that message that I love you, that I want good things for you, that I will stop at nothing to love you, and that nothing can stop me, do you believe it? Will you love me? Will you love each other? I got to go back up to the bridge. I got to go back up and control things and direct things. And so Jesus goes back to heaven. Jesus goes back to the bridge. Jesus goes back to the control room. Jesus goes back to the place from where God can direct and interact with all of creation. But here's the good news of ascension. The Jesus who goes back to the bridge, the Jesus that goes back to heaven, that Jesus is changed. God is changed by what God went through in Jesus Christ. God is changed when Jesus was having dinner with some Jews and a Samaritan woman comes up and asks, hey, can you come and heal my son? And Jesus says, that's not why I'm here. I'm here for the Jews. I can't take what belongs to the children and give it to the dogs. And the Samaritan woman says, yeah, I understand that. But even the dogs get a little bit of crumbs from the children's table. And God's heart, Jesus was changed. Jesus says, wow, I see you. I understand you. Your faith is strong. There's nobody in Israel with a faith like you. I will come and heal your son. God was changed by his movement, by his work in Jesus Christ. When Mary and Martha call Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, your friend Lazarus is dying. And Jesus is off in the hills a little bit because he knows everybody in Jerusalem is trying to kill him. And Lazarus and Mary and Martha, they live in Bethany right next to Jerusalem. And they know, Jesus knows, that if he goes to Bethany, he's going to get caught. He knows that if he goes to Bethany, this is the end of his ministry. And the disciples and Jesus, they wait. They wait for four days. The word comes back and says, Lazarus is dead. Don't bother. Jesus gets up. He says, we got to go. We got to go. Even if it means our own lives, we got to go. And God is changed by what God went through. The good news of the ascension is that we now have a human advocate at the helm of all creation. We have someone who knows what it's like to be flesh and blood. We have someone that knows what it's like to be wrong about things and change their minds. We have someone who knows what it's like to be tempted. We, know, we have somebody that knows what it's like to be hungry, to weep, and to be sad. We have somebody that knows what it's like to be overjoyous. We have somebody that knows what it's like to have a crush on somebody, to feel rejected, to feel disappointed. We have somebody that has buried loved ones. We have somebody that knows 
every sorrow that we have all gone through. And this human Jesus stands at the helm of all creation, advocating on your behalf, saying this is what the crew needs. The crew is like this. Because of Jesus, the direction of the universe has changed. God guides with our best intentions in mind and in heart. And God knows us because God became one of us. And now one of us, Jesus Christ, leads all of creation. This is the good news. You thought the message of Christianity was radical. You thought the message of Christianity was radical, that the God who created all things lays aside God's glory and comes and becomes one of us to be with us. That is radical. That Christmas story is absolutely radical. That Christmas story changes my heart and changes who I am. I love that Christmas story. But that's not where it stops being radical. The radical message of Christianity is not only that God became one of us, but now God never shed God's humanity. Jesus at no point cast off humanity and went back into heaven. But God brings humanity into heaven in himself. And somebody that knows what it's like to suffer and struggle as a human being guides all of creation. Somebody that knows what it's like to suffer and struggle as a human being advocates for us, prays for us is the way the scriptures say. The scriptures analogy of the throne room says that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, um, speaking to the Father on our behalf. That's, their, that's the biblical analogy. Jesus the human who knows us guides all of creation. That's the good news of ascension. That's the good news. That's why we celebrate. Now, one last thing that's kind of important. The throne room was one analogy for heaven and earth. Um, the throne room uh, being where God, heaven is the throne room, earth is the footstool, <clears throat> which is kind of funny to me. I think that like, God's feet are on earth, but, you know, God's rear end is in heaven. That's weird to me. Um, that's where my mind goes, folks, you know. I didn't write the book. Um, another analogy for heaven is sky, right? The heavens, the skies. The skies is another analogy for heaven. It is the place where order and beauty happens, where things to seem to happen according to God's purposes perfectly in order, and you can count on them, right? The skies became an analogy for heaven, the place that God is in. Now, the ancient Israelites um, and the ancient Christians, they all knew exactly where the skies started, right? The sky, the sky starts right about here, right? Right next to the earth, right next to the earth. So if you want to ask, where is heaven? Heaven is not some dimension far away. Heaven is not past Pluto. Heaven is not out there. But heaven is God's space right next to the earth. Heaven is right here. And it's available in all places on the earth. It's available to all of creation at all times. So where is Jesus? Jesus is in heaven. Jesus is right here. Jesus is guiding us right now. This is where heaven is. Our prayer is that the will of heaven 
the will of the bridge gets played out in the rest of the ship. Our job is to hear and take those directions and guide our portion of the ship so that all of creation fulfills what God is hoping for. That's what we're called to do. That's what we celebrate today, that now we have somebody that knows us, guiding us and calling us, calling all the shots. It is a good day to celebrate the ascension. Now, what do we do with this story? I've kind of, kind of thrown a lot of theology at you. What do we do with this message? These next steps I like to point out. The first one is awaken to the constant presence of Christ. I don't know if you got one of these, but in your bulletin, there was a little sticky note that said, are you awake? That was not just like a threat to stay awake during the service today, right? (laughs) Do you realize heaven is all around us? Do you realize that Jesus is here right now? A lot of times we invite Jesus into our presence. A lot of times we say, Jesus, we invite you into this place. The reality is Jesus is here the whole time. He was just waiting for us to awaken to the reality that he is here now. And sometimes we need to awaken ourselves to God's presence, to remind ourselves that God is here right now. And so sometimes Christians all throughout time have put up little markers in their lives or they wear jewelry. My prayer rope fell off this morning. It didn't fall off. I took it off while I was putting sticky notes on all your bulletins. Um, but we, we wear jewelry, we have art, we have these different markers that reawaken us to God's presence right now. So I want you to take this sticky note home, and I want you to put it someplace where it's going to be in your, in your field of vision on a regular basis, whether it's on your bathroom mirror, whether it's on your refrigerator, whether it's on <clears throat> right, right in the middle of your TV, I think that would be a good spot for it. Um, wherever you see it. And when you see this, are you awake? Take a moment, say, "Woo, am I aware that Jesus is right here right now with me? Am I aware that Jesus, who ate with sinners, is in the bridge guiding all of creation and is present to me right now? Take that sticky note, put it someplace where you will see it. And every time you see it, pause and say, Jesus, I know you're here. Thank you right? I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Pastor Rick, I'm going to need more than one of these because I, 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 I need to be awake. How can I get more of these? Let me tell you how you make one of these, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you find some sticky notes. You find a Sharpie. It doesn't even have to be a Sharpie. You can get, you know, an off-brand pen or something. Write the words, are you awake? And be awake to the presence of Jesus wherever you go. Put these up. And then um, the last thing, I believe, I believe that God, Jesus Christ, is calling us to make all things right. I think that's the direction of this ship, is to eliminate suffering, to eliminate need, not to eliminate work. There will always be work, but to eliminate need and suffering and pain. And so the work that we do now that eliminates need and suffering and pain is a sign of what God's heaven is calling us to do right? So one of the big things that we do is uh, we build a house every year through Habitat for Humanity. We call the project Help Build Hope. I, I appreciate Habitat for Humanity's approach. Um, they always say that it's a hand up, not a hand out, but they, they find families in need and help them work on a house and buy a house. 
And um, I, I totally believe in their organization. They do a great job. And so this is why we've committed to building a house with Habitat for Humanity every year in our church parking lot. So I encourage you to invite somebody um, to, to come along on that day to build a house. It's going to be fun. It's going to be wonderful. And it's a way that we create a sign of the world that God is calling us to live in, a sign, a world that alleviates suffering and pain. We do this in a lot of different ways, through different mission trips, through different service acts, through what we give and how we care for our Western farm workers. All these different ways is listening to the bridge and saying, hey, I hear you. This is the direction we are going.